Intro music goes here. Eventually. Maybe. In the future. If we have a future. Let's pretend we have a future. Okay. Let's do this. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. We're joined by this episode's guest, Megan Trainer. Greetings, Megan. Hello. So you are na- you share a name with a famous person, or they share one with you? Correct. I, I was here first. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So so I had I had a great challenge where in my early internet days, if you googled my name, it would say, "Do you mean Taylor Hansen?" Uh, to which I was oh. always very aggravated, and I I was very excited on the day that I I exceeded Taylor like like I became no longer a Taylor Hansen misspelling. Okay, can you relate to this experience? I um I, I think my official party line on this situation is I really envy the Nick Caves. Yeah. Yes. As in as in Nick Cave and Nick Cave. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you know I I love both of them, and I think they have a lot of sort of mutual uh, enthusiasm, and I think sharing a name with a very young pop star is a completely different aesthetic experience i mean and i don't know where she's going so this this could evolve into something but right now it's um it it really mostly it just messes with my google analytics indeed rob aren't you a hockey player i am i am also a hockey player you can't get away from it yeah i i would he was he retired by the time i i mean a few years ago i guess but i get the occasional emails asking to come to office parties and stuff (laughs) oh i get you would not believe okay so the amount of social media static that's just like, hi, this is Tad from Island Records. Like, we want to fly you to Hawaii. And, talk. and I'm like, great. And then they're like, oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I get fan mail. I get emoji messages. I it's just everywhere. It's just kind of this like snow that covers my conversations in digital space. But as an artist, it's it's a thing where I'm like, this is interesting, and someday it might be something I work with. I mean, it's yeah. you know that's what it is to be an artist. You're just like, well, these are the facts, right? I, I did a project that involved um, making a little CNC mill, like a DIY kit, uh-huh. and I keep getting these come-ons. Like every month, I'll get a come-on from China where they say, we want to order 50,000 of this particular transmission shaft. <laughs> and so then, then I'll get like a, a you know, a, a diagram with all the things laid out. And I was actually trying to think, could I, is there any way I could make that into a found electronics thing? But I, I felt like I was pushing it too far. <laughs> um, uh, my name is Rob Ray. Uh, I run the exoskeleton art space in Los Angeles, uh, which hosts very infrequent art openings and events. And I also run the exoskeletal newsletter, which is a somewhat more frequently sent email newsletter. And uh, I am an experienced director at an interactive agency here in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm a professor at Columbia College in Chicago, and I'm an artist and an educator and a DIY engineer and a CAD CAM evangelist. So I'm Megan Trainer, the original. Um, by day, <laughs> I'm a digital strategist uh, at Trainer Arts, which is my company. But you know, the important part is I'm a new media artist. Um, And my practice is informed uh, by my utopian vision that lady healers have hidden centuries of technology away from the public (laughs) that we currently sit on an army of robot battle witches. That is my underlying manifesto. (laughs) Um, I write essays. I write manifestos about technology and history and social justice. Um, I'm currently working on a project called Spagnin, which is a collaborative performance series with Sarah Lipstick. Um, which we're calling a narrative akin to Thomas Pynchon for girls. Um, and this project is exploring bog rituals, hedge witch electronics, living outside, craftsmanship of conductive ink making, Northwest history, adventure, transformation. I think, yeah, I think, I think that's what we're doing. So <laughs> that, that's me. Um, and uh, I think, I think, the things coming up for me is I'm going to be giving a talk at Inca here in Seattle, Washington, um, on June 21st called Solstice. We might talk about hedges or resistance. 
Yeah, yeah. So, Megan, I was curious about a couple things in there. So, certainly as fellow um, art folks and thinking about talking in a sort of academic way, I kind of want to ask all my questions at once because I feel like some of the things that you're doing that I also am interested in doing but am challenged by are exploring humor, right, in an academic mm -hmm. context, and then also exploring gender in the context of humor. So the fact that you're using terms like ladies and girls, you know, mm -hmm. clearly indicates that you're not taking a standard issue, capital A, academic, here are the things we talk about and here are the things that which may not be named. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was just curious, am I overthinking to ask you about your um, use of those particular terms, those gendered terms? No, not at all. I mean, I, I'm in a space where I feel like um, I'm as much informed by stand-up comedy as academia. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> how different are they, really? <laughs> They're not. They're, <laughs> They're yes. really not. No, I, I just, um, yeah, humor, and, and maybe not so much humor, but sarcasm is really, um, for me, uh, an important part of my process and self-preservation in all of these spheres that I exist in. Um, so I think when I say stuff like, you know, lady healers building battle robot, which is, you know, it's like, that's the only rational response to like the Trump administration. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I own those terms, right? Like I can do that, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I think a lot, I, I mean, you know, Rob and I had sort of a preliminary talk and it was a really awesome conversation. And a lot of what we talked about was, you know, one, being in new media for this long, like we both, and, and probably you as well, I, I, um, you know, we've been in it for a long time and issues of gender and inclusivity along other identities has really kind of like gotten more problematic over time. Um, and so what do you do with that? How do you um, sort of preserve yourself in this space? And, and so for me, a lot of that, yeah, it's humor, it's sarcasm, it's, kind of poking at things with these words that are a little inflammatory, but I think in a positive way. Uh, Megan, can you tell us one comedy-oriented thing before we move on? So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I just, I saw Diamanda Galas last weekend. I spent a Tuesday morning listening to Bertha, the giant drill come through the earth you know, like from the bowels of Seattle and, and, and I do sort of weird experimental new media art. Mm -hmm. So people I think are surprised to learn that like, like my, my grounding space is all about stand-up comedy that, you know, uh, Richard Pryor and Chris Rock and Cat Williams are like my moral center, which yeah. is probably problematic, but, but, um, yeah, the first the first album I ever bought, the first vinyl I ever bought was I Started Out as a Child by Bill Cosby. And that's a problematic thing at this point, but that's who I am. And so, yeah. Um, well, I mean, does, does Bill Cosby's transgressions, do they destroy work that he made? I, guess, I mean, I suppose he was potentially committing crimes while that work was being made, but I don't know. I mean... We like Jackson Pollock, okay, and all sorts of other jerks. I yeah, I mean, your your fave is problematic is a pretty constant thing, and especially as a woman in the arts, like, yeah. eh, it's it's. Um, I want to hold people accountable. I want us to have discussions, but at the same time, I love stand up comedy, and yeah. you know, I mean, Eddie Murphy, raw and delirious, like, there's problematic stuff in that, yes. but those guys were like informing how my humor was formed. I, you know, I had Cat Williams, Chris Rock, like Chris Rock for a long time. That was like all my dating advice came from Chris Rock. I was uh, like, I just want the big piece of chicken. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> hey, listen, that's just for daddies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I like, I don't know. I, was, I think, you, you I think, can search we search for meaning where you can find it? <laughs> can we give the brother a peek? And I think was one of my all time Chris Rock lines, but. I have a maybe somewhat related question, but maybe not. Um, I feel like I'm really pretty intrigued by um, your, I guess, maybe spiritual practice or 
techno spiritual practice, or I'm sure there's better other words for that. But um, I think, hmm. so <laughs> I feel like a number of people I know, including myself, have been trying to figure out, especially maybe new media folks, um, have been trying to figure out like, how do we, how do we navigate a world that has become sort of saturated with our practice in a way, you know, uh, and mm-hmm. become sort of very, uh, and, and sort of also co-opted, uh, kind of painful ideologies, uh, like that are sort of embedded in like hyper-capitalism and stuff. So like, like, mm-hmm. so to see like, Oh, this sort of really intriguing interactive experience is now sort of fully, consumed by you know the the googles or pepsis or whoever of the world and um so i think a lot of people who were intrigued by technology in say the 90s and 2000s are are now trying to sort of feel their way through to another place that that is maybe removed from where they were back in the day and um i was interested to hear your journey with that and and also like how it overlaps with your spiritual practice for all of us that that came or are coming into new media you know there's like there's a sense of wonder there's a sense of wow there you know these things can happen and you know i have really distinct memories of the first time like oh i lit up an led or oh that that potentiometer affected the flash file that we're all looking at on the projector and those, those moments of wonder that are maybe just, just theater and circus, but they, they touch something in you and you're trying to harness that. And then, yes, you're right. It does get, um, it gets to a point where there's a saturation in the culture and you try to reestablish a connection with whatever that initial experience was. And I think for me, it's about, um, you know, I think, I, and I've always had this relationship with with technology, which is I'm not interested in the ephemeral sense of it. I'm not interested in screens or pixels, right? Like that's always been my mantra. No pixels were harmed in the making of my artwork. I make very physical, digital artwork, and um, and and so and so sort sort of pulling back into natural systems. You know, electricity is a natural system the universe, you know, the solar system is a natural system. All of these things, you know, sort of sit on that same wavelength. I'm totally going off on a tangent already. But, um, and so exploring those underlying um, lessons of, of how does electricity work, how, how physics affects how you build something, those things seem, on the one hand, very much of, of the fab lab, of, of the Arduino, of the new space that we're we're concocting out of new media, but at the same time, these are ancient discoveries of, of mostly humans. And I I do want to give credit where, you know, like animals are working with tools or, um, you know, have profound understandings of whatever magnetic systems or, you know, the universe in their own language. But, um, I, I think it's just getting away from a kind of binary between, Oh, you know, you've been working in cyberspace for the last couple decades versus, these are fundamental physical human experiences. These are fundamental um, ways of interacting with material and information. And, you know, a story is a story, whether you tell it in a cave or you tell it with a hypercard or you tell it on Twitter. Mm. Way, to get, way to get a hypercard reference in there, dude. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Rob, uh, should we move on to our the challenge portion? Let's do it. Yeah. And who's first tonight? Rob's um, choice. Taylor, why don't you go first? All right, I can do that. So, um, so I uh, found electronics was definitely a challenge, and that was pretty much the extent of the challenge. This was laid by Ian Duran, last time's guest, and. You know, initially it seemed like it was right up my alley. I mean, it's something that I've worked with a lot going back into um, in undergrad for my my BFA show. I disassembled these uh, ATM machines and made these sort of boxes that replicated metabolic systems. So there was a box that heated up and cooled down and a box that circulated water and all that. 
but they were all like horribly dangerous <laughs> in retrospect. So the uh, the heating and cooling box just had an exposed resistance based heater on it, <laughs> sitting inside a wooden you know wooden enclosure, and then like just totally. I don't know that anybody was prepared for how how badly these things could fail, and they didn't fail. But when I came back around to this found project, I tried to give myself a really kind of difficult set of limitations. So I started from this phone that my mother-in-law gave me called uh, the Girl Talk phone, which is a, <laughs> like a clear plastic Saved by the Bell. You know, the PCB is pink and has these rainbow wires coming off it and stuff. And so my mother-in-law often saves electronics and gives them to me. And it's, it's funny the number of times that she's happened to hit stuff on the head, even though this isn't her area at all. Like she was the one that told me about Neil Gershenfeld for the first time, you know, so she does like every once in a while, she really, really nails it. So, um, so I opened this thing up and was taking all the parts apart and I was just trying to think based on the parts that I've harvested off this, um, off this board, you know, what's something that you can actually make with that if I can't add anything else. I, I think basically I allowed myself to add wire, but that was about it. Uh, so this got me around to really essential electronic circuits. So I was looking back through uh, forest MIMS and things like that. And then I came up with um, sort of one of the most essential circuits, which was the, uh, the multi-vibrator. Uh, so those that aren't familiar with this, if you take what are largely um, uh, passive components, so a couple of capacitors, a couple of resistors, and so forth, but importantly, two uh, NPN transistors. You can put them in this sort of mirrored orientation. And the most uh, simple implementation of this is known as the flip-flop. So when you power this thing up, uh, if you have a couple of LEDs to show you the operation, and if you're taking a look at the circuit um, I, I've put online, the one thing I did add was the, the red LED. I have to cop to that, but the green one <laughs> was original. So the idea is that this thing sort of um, pulses back and forth. And then for the uh, for the audience at home, I'm going to upload a little a little six second video for my uh, my collaborators to watch here, so they can see the uh, the behavior. So why don't you guys why don't you guys describe that a little bit uh, in case there's something I'm leaving out? Cool. Yeah, Megan, do you want to uh, play it and maybe describe what you see? Um, so I'm seeing two alligator clips attached to um, what I'm seeing is the two LEDs, a couple of resistors. There's about four resistors two capacitors and those other two are that were they npns i'm uh -huh, sorry uh -huh. yeah okay and and that's it and there's is there soldering even happening or yeah yeah so the pieces are all this is um for anyone that's lived in chicago there was this uh teacher at the art institute steve waldeck and he was one of these guys that was so brilliant he could just make circuits without a pcb so he'd take a bunch of parts and solder them together and i think he even talked about this a long time ago, but it was definitely beyond me at that particular point. So it's, it's yeah, it's kind of like a circuit with no, with no circuit board, basically. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, I've never seen a non-breadboard instantiation of this combination of things. Like, there's, <laughs> there's no PCB, there's no breadboard, there's no strange copper substrate. It's just these things are soldered together and they're alligator clips. And there's a purity to it. Like, what I see is, is just, this is all we need. <laughs> yeah yeah it's really cool it, it definitely has like uh it's like a this is i'm trying to say this in a nice way but it's like a a wad of stuff right like like it doesn't have it doesn't have like the sort of um like almost bauhausian kind of rigidity that you think of when you see a circuit board you know which is really nice yeah, yeah. and it reminds me a little bit of pete blasters um he he makes sense and stuff that are very um uh, kind of all over the place or sort of laid out in a way that is um, maybe more attentive to aesthetics than mm -hmm. uh, yeah, traditional kind of what, what like what like Eagle or Kai Cat or something you might spit out. Is, is he the guy that made, I know somebody released an album where they released it in a jewel case, but it was actually just a circuit. And so you literally plugged your headphones into the side of the jewel case and then yes, it ran off. Perch. Oh, okay, cool. And, and Who I we'll, went to we'll, school with. <laughs> perfect. Well, we'll put that. Um, we'll put that in the show notes as well. But yeah, that was one of those projects where I saw it, and it was just so on the money that you go, oh, it just <laughs> like it kind of hurts. Yeah. So the the last thing, if you're watching this terribly short video, is just that the LEDs flip flop back and forth, so one's on and the other's off, 
and it's not as um, instantaneous as a basic digital on-off, right? So it has to do with the capacitors filling and discharging, mm. and the size of the capacitor is what controls the timing of the circuit. So as the capacitors get larger in their value, it just means that each LED is on for a longer period of time. So, um, so I made this little thing. What I really wanted to do was to make what's known. So this is an A-stable multivibrator. What I really wanted to make was a bi-stable multivibrator. So that requires a couple of switches. I only had one tactile switch, and I didn't want to violate that rule. Um, so with a couple of switches, you can hit the switch on the left and cause one LED to illuminate and the other to go out. And then if you hit the switch on the right momentarily, right? These aren't um, um, non-momentary switches. So it's, it's basically the first example of a circuit that can contain one piece of memory, you know, one bit. Um, and that leads to everything else. Uh, at the same time, in addition to the technical challenge, I was sort of thinking about the ultra-gendered nature of my Girl Talk phone, um, <laughs> thinking about women and women's roles traditionally and otherwise in technology, and that got me thinking, you know, of course, um, oh, what's the movie at right now about the NASA scientists? Hidden, Hidden figures. Hidden figures, yeah. Um, but there are also some great ones to come across. I mean, everyone's familiar with um, Ava Lovelace and her work with Babbage's computer, and then um, I was reading about the Harvard computers where... This was in the era when the computer was still just a person you hired to do mathematical calculations. Mm -hmm. And apparently, I, I'm forgetting who the scientist was, but there was a male scientist at Harvard, and this may be apocryphal, but supposedly the story went that um, he was telling some group of men, you know, oh, my housekeeper could do a better job calculating these things. I believe they were astronomy um, tables. And so he literally hired his housekeeper, who was a woman, to do these tables, and she did a great job. And then he he accumulated this group of women that were, um, the polite term was the Harvard calculators, the impolite term was like so-and-so's harem or something like that. But um, yeah, so it really just made me go down the rabbit hole that was all generated from this goofy, gendered um, telephone my mother-in-law gave me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, thanks, guys. There's a, there's a great interview with uh, Dr. Christine Darden, who was who was one of the the mathematicians uh, in the book and in the movie. I haven't seen the mm -hmm. movie. I really want to see it. But uh, on the A16 podcast, which is um, an, a sort of unusually enlightened podcast for its topics and guests, it's usually like, you know, how many how many more billions of points of data does Jeff Bezos have and stuff, you know, but they do <laughs> they do um, have some pretty cool guests on. And uh, so nice. I'll, I'll link to that in show notes. All right, so who's up next? Should we save our guest for the end? Or, Rob, do you want to go next? Uh, yeah, just just to mix it up from last time, I'll go next, and then and then Megan, you can do. You, is that cool with you, Megan? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. So I have. Hmm, we'll see how this goes. I have nine images in one quick time. I'm just seeing a shopping cart, and I, I should point out that um, when I was 18... Oh, there, there's some kind of nuts? Yeah. I'll come back, but this is a story of my first tattoo that Rob is reminding <laughs> me of. Oh, don't come back. Start there. <laughs> well, so do you guys... I'm going to mispronounce it, but do you know the German band? It's something like Einstein Neubauten. It's, I think Einstein it's Einstein Neubauten, yeah. It is. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, w I went to the tattoo parlor with the biggest yellow page ad in Cleveland when I was 18. And I just picked some flash off the wall and it turned out to be their, um, their band logo. So I, no. I got into that because I had the tattoo instead of the other way around. No, really? Yeah. That's beautiful. That is amazing. Me and, uh, me and Glenn Danzig, we have the same tattoo in the same place, even. <laughs> wow. That's right. So D Danzig has a Neubauten tattoo. That's so weird. I believe so. Wow. I, I they're actually a band I really like and they're a band also that cured a, my migraine. <laughs> I <laughs> went to a go, single migraine or forever. I Well, you know, that's a good question. I don't get them nearly as much as I used to, but I get them used to get them quite often cuz I kind of never slept and was not healthy, but um and maybe I just got them more often, but I had committed to see the band with this guy who I didn't know really well who was from out of town. 
and uh he was like let's go see the show so i was like okay and i had a like killer migraine like i was dying i had like vomited outside the show i was like dying but i was like i'm gonna tough it out I'm, i don't want to like sell this person out <laughs> so i go in and like literally they came on and like 10 minutes later i was like i feel great <laughs> and, and so I, I i attribute it to them and, and if you've uh, listeners, if you have not heard this band, they're not really a, they're a band that most people would associate with a migraine, not not curing a migraine. But I like them. Well, they, well, they play the electronic shopping cart, which is why I got off on that. Oh, tangent. yeah. Okay, so I'll be I'm, quiet. So, yeah, what, I'm what, getting what, what very excited here. Megan was talking about seeing a nut, and I believe we're talking about the um, anti theft device on the bottom of a shopping cart. We are. So, oh yeah, there's a lot happening here and then combining that with a theremin kit so that's interesting so is this a theremin kit that's not a true theremin but rather just a light sensor that's correct oh they always get you in the marketing they do <laughs> uh yeah so in this video megan what what uh what do you make of the video um it's well first of all it's very and this may be a very gendered experience. It's very cute. It's like cute sounds like, oh, it's a little robot baby. Like it's making little chirping noises and there's light on it. And I'm just, I want to put it in a blanket. And Megan, we're, we're both dead. So I, I don't think that's incompatible with our experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's just what, and so, okay. So there's the little white, in the center, there's a little white PCB board with, which has like one button on it and a couple of capacitors. No, no, there's a photosynthesizer and a capacitor. Yeah. Yep. And then there's a, a speaker on one side and another green PCB board, which is connected to the shopping cart. Yeah, I'm yep. going to make a guess that the green PCB was what he pulled out of the uh, anti-theft the device, the thing that right. locks up the wheel. Okay, and then there's a 9-volt that someone is holding. It's very, like, it's a, it's a very um, intimate little circuit, you know. So, so is this, is this um, you can defeat the, uh, uh, the anti-theft device by shining a light now on the false theremin, Rob? Is that what we're seeing? No, but but you're close. So I can I'll uh, I'll describe what I did. So so uh, with the help of Ian from last episode, we came up on found electronics, and then two days two nights later, I was walking down the Jen and I were walking down the street, and I was like, oh, there's a shopping cart on our corner, and I was like, oh, it's got one of those locking wheel things, and um, and I and I kind of walked past it and was like, uh. I wonder if I should do something else, you know, like then I was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And, um, the reason I kind of, one of the reasons I pause is this project is a little bit of a revisitation for me. Cause in 2002, I was the first time I took one apart and kind of tried to figure out how it works and stuff. Um, oh. and, uh, what is awesome is, the best description I've ever seen of how it works was created by this person, Nolan Blinder, and he he built a web page back in February of 2000 called Reversing the Operation of the Caps Sharpen Cart Wheel Locks. And that page <laughs> is... <laughs> yeah, that page is still live and untouched from 2000 on the internet, which made me super happy. I was like so psyched that a page that I looked at 15 years ago is still exactly as it <laughs> was before. It's the power of just pure HTML. You know, it's like, there's no Link nothing. Tag. Yeah. It's just, it's just hanging out. Um, uh, uh, so I had been interested in, in hacking the shopping cart wheel, uh, because I was inspired by this, um, these actions called the Walmart actions and Walmart's were these actions done inside of Walmart's, by this troop called the breathing planet troop in the early two thousands, maybe 2001. And they would just go into Walmart and everyone would get a cart and just have a parade inside of Walmart as a kind of like <laughs> way to confuse the shopping experience or sort of confuse what, what people were, were at Walmart for. Um, and, and also to sort of confound the security guards and stuff. And so I was really interested in seeing like, Oh, maybe you could, 
do like a stop shopping action and find a way to with a radio transmitter activate all the shopping cart wheel locks at once <laughs> so <laughs> so everyone in the store would just have to like literally stop shopping because the wheel got stuck um i found ah. out <laughs> i found out that's not actually totally feasible so um but yeah because you have to broadcast a radio signal right yeah, and the signals uh, it's only eight kilohertz, which is in the audio spectrum. Um, which, but that also, I'm not a great like RF engineer or anything. But as I understand it, like it would be very difficult to actually broadcast a signal at that frequency uh, with a lot of power to sort of uh, blanket, if you if you will, the the Walmart in that signal to to trip the wheel locks. Um, um, I also thought it would be cool to make an unlocker. Uh, this is kind of naive, but like I was like, oh, if you could make an unlocker, you could sort of distribute the unlockers to people who need a shopping cart, and then they could just go get one. But, um, but I, anyway, so that that was sort of my original interest, and so then I was like, now t- you know, so then a week, two weeks ago, I was like, oh, I have a shopping cart wheel. Do I go down this path? And then I started to look, and there was like tons of instructables and stuff. Now you know who sort of in much more meticulous and interesting detail than I could ever do show how it works and show how it can be unlocked and show it can be locked and stuff. And so I was like, well, how do I then maybe just make the shopping cart an interesting, different thing? Uh, and so I was like, maybe I can make the shopping cart an instrument. And so I, <laughs> I um, thought like, well, I have this theremin kit that I got from my housemates, William and Sandra for my birthday. And I've just been kind of sitting on it and I hadn't opened it. And I was like, I really want to do something like this, but I haven't done it yet. And then I was like, I can make this, sh- the shopping cart and a theremin, like the whole thing. And, <laughs> and because like, as I understand that, you know, a theremin is sort of has an antenna and, and uh-huh. knows where your hand is in sort of proximity. Uh, and then I was like, but you could like turn the whole shopping cart into a theremin. So anyone who, who leaves the store not only doesn't get a locked wheel, they get to turn their whole shopping cart into an instrument. Um, yeah. And that they would sort of have this musical instrument that's, tr- that's unleashed when they steal the cart. Um, and so you're not only getting a shopping cart, you're getting this instrument along with it. So I was going to take this electronic gob of stuff and reverse shoplift it back onto a cart at the grocery store. And I'd still like to do that. So to return the wheel back to a cart. So if that cart is ever stolen, they would get, they'll get a musical instrument. But there was a big failure baked into all this. And that is that the theremin kit I had is not a true theremin, Taylor, to your <laughs> point. It is, it is uh, a f- essentially a 555 timer that is... Yeah. Uh, mm modulated by a photoresistor and i was like damn it like i i i really thought like oh if it's a if it's a theremin i could turn the whole shopping cart itself into a theremin but now i have this photoresistor but i was like oh i know what i could do i could put the photoresistor on the side of the wheel so as you move Uh the cart back and forth the shadow and light will still modulate the wheel the sound coming from the wheel Uh uh and so it's still sort of a theremin uh, uh, embedded inside of this, what used to be a security device turned into musical instrument. So yeah. that's what I made. That's what so a, beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. It was, it was, um, it was a lot of failures combined into something that came out, came out pretty good. But I think, I think that's the true nature of hacking. Like, like I think in this current climate, like hackers are sort of, we want to, you know, take your bank accounts or your government or whatever. But like, there's this, there's this early sense of like, we just want to interrupt reality with more beauty than you realize is encapsulated in the technology that's just sitting on top of you. Yeah. Totally. Like being just sitting there kind of being incredibly boring and (laughs) suppressive in a way. Right. Instead of being awesome. Yeah. yeah, I was teaching a web design class, and it was uh, some dude from Turkey figured out how to hack like three billion WordPress sites at the same time, <laughs> and he just stuck a um, a GIF of Ataturk standing there with the Turkish flag waving in the background, and so we all just showed the source on it and like talked about his HTML. And <laughs> yeah, and I think that it's um, uh, 
to Megan's point about natural systems and technology as a new type of natural system. Um, you just get in there and see what can be done. And I mean, I, I'm sure we all felt the same pressures working on these because you want them to be good with a capital G, but that, that um, the undertaking itself is a big part of the result, yeah. I'm gonna share some, share some photos. Give me one second to... Uh... what I did was I created a witch's ladder and um, so Rob and I had a conversation last week we were kind of touching base about this and we got in this discussion about lighting up your first LED right and with the Arduino like you can do that immediately right like you just you stick it into the pin with the resistor you plug it into your computer you type in and and you're done but back in our day like you had to learn how a breadboard worked or you know, to the, to the earlier example, like how to use alligator clips and solder together wire and all these sorts of things. And in that, there's a real materiality to working uh, with electronics, to working with electricity and, and LEDs and, and code eventually. Um, and so that was like something I just, just kind of like stuck in me and I'm like, I want to revisit that. So I, I built this witch's ladder which is a, it's a kind of spell where you basically take string and feathers and maybe some sticks or some other stuff and you, and you work a spell materially through this, um, through this object. But I was like, I'm going to light up an LED, you know, using electricity from Tato, like you do, um, <laughs> and, and use wire. And so here's, here's the potato I'm using and here's what well, you guys can describe what you're seeing yeah taylor dive in yeah well i'm seeing uh the the first picture has a really um you know i, I think the pictures i were taking were uh, were really descriptive whereas uh, this is more of a photograph as opposed to documentation right so there's sunlight falling on a wooden table and a sort of um, evocative wire object that has been weaved so to speak, so that it can contain, it looks like some chicken eggs, and then what we now know to be a potato, although that wasn't uh, immediately obvious to me. And so it's this long, skinny, kind of dragon or snake-looking form, and part of it terminates, I believe, in zip ties over a bowl <laughs> that has <laughs> some kind of organic element in it, I'm unsure about. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, so I'm just going to keep... Um... Um, pulling up these photos in no sure. particular order. Oh, wait, no, here's our organic objects. Yeah. Now, Rob, I'm going to let you take a crack at that one. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so the first couple images look very snake-like to me or sort of um, elongated reptile kind of thing or a sort of um, intestinal tract or something with, with things inside it, to Taylor's point, an egg and also a potato. Um, and it's totally meticulously um, um, uh, what's the word woven almost in a way like the wires are very interestingly intricately sort of twisted together to create this tube that then has these objects inside it um, and there's a really nice uh, use of zip ties as these as almost a kind of um, mouth parts or something that feel like extending out from what feels like the front of the device. It's really nice. And um, the third image is what looks to be, I'm going to guess, uh, it looks like to be like a, a vertebrae of some sort, not super large, and has some sort of paraffin or similar... Uh, sort of Vaseline-looking substance um, mm -hmm. kind of uh, daubed on it or poured into it. And and I, I just want to be clear, like, we're seeing process. So um, these are components that are going to mm -hmm. be... And I think the component pictures are actually better than the final image, just more because of the shape of the object. Um, so I'm just going to keep... Oh, hang on. Awesome. Uh, pulling... Pulling these from the file. 
Um, and, and, and this is, again, this is another image of sort of work in progress. So you can identify some of the components. Ooh. Uh-huh. We have feathers. Yeah, so now we're adding in feathers, yeah. Yep. See, I don't have a lot of context for witchcraft, and I'm interested to hear more. <laughs> totally. But mostly it's like the serpent and the rainbow. And, <laughs> and, then, and then do we have quills of some kind now? Like a, yes, yes. Piercing the, the potato. We have we have quills, but also nails. You'll notice a copper yep. and a zinc nail mm-hmm. um, up at the top because, of course, we're generating electricity, right? That's yeah. And I'm also noticing that you've got before. I just thought the woven wire was a single strand, but now it's apparent it's a um, a wire pair. Yep. And it's colored to suggest that there's a ground and a and a hot. And so this is this is what our potato is doing. This is where the electricity is going. It's going into um, this sort of head of, of what you guys I think are calling the snake. And I'll I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so now the vertebrae vertebra. <laughs> That's what, <laughs> there's even, a there's a, a frat joke there. So yeah, yeah, do you do you even lift <laughs> Do you even vertebra? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh yeah, so I think um, I'm reminded of, uh, have you guys played uh, Portal 2 anytime recently? No. I know I know of the Portal game, but I have not played Portal 2. There's this whole sort of um, narrative that goes on with this murderous uh, computer woman that's uh, kind of compressed into a, uh, a potato battery. Wow. <laughs> For a good portion of the narrative, but yeah, I guess so. Uh, oh, I have to check that out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely so, take a look. But go so on, Megan. This last image is sort of the, the piece in its entirety. Um, oh. And again, it's I think it's harder to capture because of the length. Um, but you can see sort of mechanically what's happening. So I'll let you guys talk about it. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that Megan introduced it as mechan- what, ha- what is happening mechanically. Rob, how would you interpret that? Yeah, it is mechanical. I think of it as mechanical and maybe also chemical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, you've got the, I mean, I'm assuming that the, so the potato is the source of power. And if I'm remembering correctly, one of the electrodes has to be a different metal than the other electrode. Megan, yes. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. And so you create, uh, do I recall the dielectric effect, which is the same thing that would tarnish your, um, plumbing if you were to have two disparate metals touching each other right um i'm just kind of going on a limb here but you guys aren't stopping me so (laughs) i'm not going to correct you on plumbing technology (laughs) (laughs) oh hey listen (laughs) i don't know nothing but now we've got it hung on the wall and then uh so the snake form is in a vertical orientation and now we can see feathers quills eggs potatoes illumination and there's considerably more zip ties up around what we're calling the head. So now it's like a kind of a wall hanging, but also a a lamp, or maybe a, <laughs> like a, a a fetish of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. There's what I'm. Yeah. There's like. So it it feels still serpent-like to me. Maybe three mm-hmm. feet long on the wall, and and I feel like the head. If if it is the head, the head is illuminated. Um, from the inside and there's lots of zip ties that have a very almost feather like uh like sea urchin almost like um sort of coral reef vibe <laughs> and um there are two eggs with quills and feathers and i really like that now that i understand the potato i like that the potato is uh situated in a way that i feel like is a sort of either digestive tract or reproductive uh-huh. organ area like it's it's in your belly kind of. And I like that the energy is coming from there and, uh, is sort of being, uh, is sort of powering the head in this really interesting way. Um, it's reminding me of, uh, there's this artist, Eric Souther who, um, works in, uh, uh, I met him through folks at the signal culture residency. If you guys haven't seen that, check it out. It's in New York, but they, um, he was doing this like a live video modulation stuff, but he, he had a piece that was called 
a ceremony to cleanse neoliberalism. <laughs> and it's a, yeah, I, I totally want to hear more because the witchcraft area is where I'm completely uninformed. So I'd like to, I'm assuming there's references in here that are just totally going over my head. Well, I, I, I mean, yes, there are a lot of, there are a lot of references. Again, um, a witch's ladder is the thing I'm referencing the most. And that's, that's a form of spell work where you, um, you take string, um, thread, some kind of fiber, and it's generally, um, woven down maybe like a braid or just tied. And there's usually sticks and feathers that are used in it. And it's, and it's a spell it's, and, um, I think for people who don't practice witchcraft, you know, it's sort of, this um this other thing but i think for those who practice it's just it's like prayer beads it's it's just a way of concentrating um either an intention or and and for me and i think for a lot of contemporary witches it's a lot about healing it's it's yeah. almost it's it's you know it's medicine it's I, I you know in the same way that meditation is a thing that we sort of all acknowledge is like you should probably just chill out and breathe and in the same way, you know, there's there's just a little task that helps you ground an intention or ground something you're trying to do. And so witches' ladders are a way of doing that, and they and they have this kind of aesthetic of being this long thing with feathers sticking out. And so for this piece, you know, I wanted to synthesize that practice, that spell work, with the materiality or the the mechanics or the physicality of building that circuit of that first time you light up an LED and you, you understand what a circuit is. You understand how electricity, electricity works. You understand, you know, like, okay, this is power and ground and all these things. And so I think there's something really great in the way that you guys recognize that half of it where you're like, Oh yeah, power and ground. We get that. That's a thing <laughs> we've been working with. And then this other half of it, which is just the task of kind of braiding. Um, and that goes to, you know, braiding hair that goes to weaving that goes to weaving that became computing and all those things kind of intersect. And that's kind of what I'm trying to capture here where we have the space where there's this like binary computer culture that seems very ephemeral, but it's, it's, it, it's mechanical. Right. And, you know, we can, we can talk about like, um, you guys were addressing hidden figures, but there's uh, like LOL code, right? Or little old lady. No, it's LOL memory. That's right. Little old lady. Oh, memory. right, right. And and so these were the, like the little old ladies that were like literally physically creating code with wire that they were wrapping. So you know, computing was very mechanical. Binary was very electron or electrical, right? And you know, of course, like little old ladies are good with string. <laughs> so there's that moment where you acknowledge like computers used to be women, programmers used to be women. The 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 fabrication practice of computing, right. you know, also overlaps into these spaces that are pretty ancient, that are about basket making, they're about weaving, they're about, you know, a little old lady with a couple things that she's putting together. And so that's kind of where I was going, was just to intersect, you know, this, this moment of wonder of like, understanding and learning how electronics worked and starting to work with programming as an artist, but also coming from the history of just, you know, crochet, which I, I mean, I don't do, but I understand it's sort of like historically that's a, you know, that's a thing we associate with little old ladies, not computer science, but they're actually pretty intertwined, I think. Totally. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. rad. And I have to laugh at my own reaction because I, you know, I remember being in grad school and doing some traditional bronze casting, which used to be my, I used to work in that before going to grad school. And people would come to my studio and say, well, why don't you put an LED on it? And then you'd think, oh, come on, like, don't fetishize that stuff. But here, because the electronics were familiar to me, I said, yes, yes, I see, blah, blah, blah. But tell me about this witchy thing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I have to make sure, because as Megan was pointing out, all of these, you know, so few of these things are dramatic to people that are both in the know and out of the know, right? And so, to I don't want to make that same mistake of holding it as weird or foreign or something no and i think i mean i think i'm being provocative in aligning these things uh -huh. you know i, sure. I want to bring people and and i say this as much to my brothers and sisters in tech as i say it to my brothers and sisters in witchcraft like 
I want there to be more common ground. You know, I want to say, you know, in, in technology, we're used to sort of, okay, there's a discrete box of the logic system that this exists in versus maybe in witchcraft, there's more of a, like, this is a ritual I use for healing or dealing with trauma. Like those things don't necessarily overlap but I want them to. And so how do you bring those two goals? I mean, because they're very different goals. And I think that each of them have suspicion of each other because their goals aren't aligned, you know? Like witchcraft makes no sense if you're an engineer. Engineering makes no sense if you're a witch, you know? But <laughs> if if you start to, to put together like, well, but you're both building things. How are you building things? Why are you building things? What's How do you evaluate the things you're building? Uh -huh. then you start to create a common language. And so, uh, yeah, I'm being provocative in putting these things together in the same way I'm provocative in the way I use gendered language because I'm trying to create more common ground. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, I feel like it does a really interest. It sort of provokes this thing in me that is something I, I've been thinking about, which is um, I feel like my states of unknowing and my states of knowing are only differentiated by um, my own agency where I decide I'm knowing or I decide I'm unknowing. You know, like like if I'm looking at something or trying to learn something or or um, reading an article or something like like I could approach it like I don't I don't know enough. I need I need to understand it more or I could approach it from. Like, oh, I, I, I know where this person is coming from or I know this coding technique or whatever it is. Um, but just as easily, like like a hundredth of a second later, I could be like, oh, but I don't know this other thing that's connected to this. And so I feel like your object in a way is doing that to me in this really interesting way where like I feel like I understand certain components of it and I don't understand other components of it. And I my brain is sort of clicking back and forth, sort of like Taylor's... Uh, uh, project uh, uh, is sort of flipping back <laughs> and forth. You. You, man. <laughs> it's sort of flip, <laughs> flipping back and forth between the state of like, oh, I, I, I get this, and then being like, I don't, I don't understand this at all. So it's really, it's really great. Like, it's really cool. And I, and as someone right now, I'm at work. I'm like in the weeds on learning this new thing. And like every five minutes, I think I'm the biggest idiot in the world. And then five minutes later, I think I'm just like a super badass. And so, so like, I just right. like, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. Cause I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I don't even know what I'm doing. But, but, um, but that's such a beautiful place. Yeah, like, totally. Totally. A beautiful place to be. Totally. I think, I think when we're overwhelmed with not understanding, uh, we just shut down. And I think when we're overwhelmed with confidence, we also shut down. Yeah. Like we stop taking information in because we're like, oh, I got this. And I think that juxtaposition of, of comfort and um, um, mystery, I, I think that's a really good space. Um, and, and I think it works best when you're standing next to someone where you recognize that their sense of comfort and mystery is different than yours. Yeah, totally. Yep. That's very smart. Nice. Yeah, nice. thanks. That all of our projects were freaking awesome. That's cool. Oh, good job. I, this has yeah. been so amazing. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for jumping well, in. Well, now you realize, Megan, you have one more, one more important duty, which is what is what should our challenge be for next time? Oh man, I didn't even. Yeah. Okay. But you shouldn't. But you shouldn't be prepared. This is the. This is okay. the thing. It's. Wait, off the top of your, what's something that you're interested or what would you be interested in seeing other people working on in the making stuff sphere? Mm. Okay. I, I'm going to have to like talk and think at the same mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. um, Tell a joke while you're thinking. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think stand up comedy. Okay. That's like an impossible request for what you guys are doing, which makes it. Like that's 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 where you're gonna have to go. It's yeah. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Stand up comedy. Because <laughs> there's certainly a lot of that in. There's a lot of it both in Chicago and L.A. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll give us some place to start. Oh. Egg. <laughs> All right. Oh, Sorry. Man. We asked for it. That is awesome. We're so. That was the cold open. You know. We're so screwed. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Great. No, cool. Let's do it. There stand, it is. Stand up comedy. I'm down with that. Um, I have a I have a few listener feedback items that we could go uh-huh. through, and a uh-huh. few other um, administrative things. Uh, oh, but first, before I go into uh, listener feedback, uh, just I wanted to highlight that. So, so these photos that we're talking about. Um, you can go into projects.opposablepodcast.com to see these photos and videos so you can sort of see what we were talking about. Um, we would also totally love for you to jump into the challenge with us. So if stand-up comedy is a thing that speaks to you and whatever it is, whether you're a baker or a knitter or mechanical engineer or chemist or interpreter or whatever it is that you do, uh, how your life or interests in life intersect with stand-up comedy, feel free to take this challenge with us and send us what you're working on, and we would love to check it out. Uh, if you, by chance, are listening to this episode but not subscribed, you can uh, subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we would love for you to become a subscriber. We have hit, we, I'm pretty sure, our 100 subscriber mark. So thank you so much if you are a regular listener. Triple digits. We are stoked that, <laughs> that we hit 100 listeners. Um, and and let's keep it going. Um, a shout out to uh, the Mighty Wolf Mask who made our logo. Um, you can check out his work at wolfmask.co.uk. He is a really rad person, super great to work with, and his art is amazing. Um, we have a Patreon page. Uh, you can get there from opposablepodcast.com or go to patreon.com slash opposablethumbs. Uh, we have a few sponsorship tiers there that uh, hopefully will suit your um, checkbook. It would really help us out. Um, we don't spend a ton of money doing this podcast, but we do spend a little bit, and we would love to uh, have you help us. Uh, we do have a code of contact here uh, in the podcast, and also if we ever do a message board or anything like that, and just in our lives, um, we're dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or the lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. Um, we awesome. do, yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, it it matters, um, and it's it's it matters to say it out loud. Um, a little bit of listener feedback. Uh, uh, David, thank you for sending us just a super simple, great, encouraging message just telling us to keep us going. Thank you so much. Um, Taylor, did you know David, or is someone is he someone unknown to us? Or? He, he is one of the fellow Dungeons & Dragons players along with Ian. So he, yeah, he is, oh, that's he great. Well-known to me. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, David. Um, Federico also sent us a message that he has created something inspired by the first episode, and he's going to put it in the mail to me. And this is awesome. And I'm, I'm going to uh, post it on our website so people can check it out. Um, Federico is a really great illustrator and artist here in Los Angeles. Uh, he's on Twitter at Wolfcat Workshop. That's W-O-L-F-C-A-T-W-R-K-S-H-O-P. And he has lots of great photos of his work up there. And if you need an illustrator or an artist in your life, um, he is a great contact to have. Um, does anyone else have anything they want to do before we close out the show? Any links there into videos they watch, tools they use, anything like that? What do you think, Megan? You want to rip something? I just I, I want to talk about the Sonic experience. <laughs> yeah, Aside great. Stand up. So, um, kind of in the last, yeah. I mean, it's 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 only been a couple of days. Like for anyone who's listening, like there's not a lot of time in between. Hey, do you want to do this and and make something? But um, I saw Diamanda Galas in concert. And that was amazing. And I just wept through the whole thing. Wow. Uh, and then and then Bertha, which is, I think, when it started was the largest drill on planet Earth. You know, it's boring underneath Seattle. And, and she emerged on Tuesday. And I had, I had, I had like, no emotions about this drill <laughs> under the city. But as she was emerging, there's this live feed. And it was the most beautiful, sonic listening experience it just sounded like like whales made out of machines and 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 like i mean you want to talk about einstein's and neubauten like i mean it was just this amazing (laughs) industrial experience that was just like on the department of transportation live feed (laughs) wow and and 
so yeah, so those, those were sort of like the two things that really grounded me in this. Um, and, and then sort of tangential to that was, um, there's this weird, like 72 hour, like, like audio file of Blade Runner incidental sounds. So it's not like the soundtrack, it's just like the weird (laughs) noises of all the machines, but then also TV on the radio, which is like a pop band. Mm -hmm. But, but somehow like, and I've always known them, but like, they just, the, the four of those things just were like, and so I'm just in the room with the wire and the potatoes and it was, um, so it was a really, I mean, and like these prompts are so beautiful because they're so articulated as far as like, okay, you're just going to do this thing. And then everything becomes kind of input at that point. And so these four sonic experiences just kind of hit me at the same time. So that was really nice. So I thank you guys for that. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, dude. Yeah. When you, you mentioned Big Bertha tunneling under the city, I was positive that you were speaking about something in metaphor. And I just couldn't think of what it would be. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so pleased that that just turned out to be the actual, you were just quite literally describing what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> they are just a giant drill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I'd throw in, um, I've been really digging following um, the Arduino soap opera. I don't know if you guys have been tracking this, but there was this big trademark dispute when the original five organizers started, you know, like as with all things, when it gets big enough and there's money and people start arguing about origins and mm. ownership and so on. But I think there was just another thing where Lamore Freed and Philip Taroni actually revealed that this new stakeholder, I think the new CEO with Arduino fraudulently, uh, allegedly, you know, claimed that he hadn't had gotten these degrees from MIT and he hadn't actually got them. And now, Apparently, the only degree he claims on LinkedIn is his kindergarten uh, <laughs> attendance. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so again, I don't know what the story is with any of these details, but it was just stuff I was starting to read through. And I loved how, you know, technology often, one associates it with being cold and dry, but, but here are these very human, um, you know, uh, stories to follow. Another great thing at this conference I was at today, the, the FATE conference, in Kansas City talking about foundations and art education. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard the story, but apparently when Brancusi was trying to import bird in space, do you know the story already? It, into the United States, um, it was not classifiable as art legally as far as the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, uh, the, you know, the governmental agency that deals with imports. What am I trying to think of here? Anyway, hopefully you guys are following me, but, but they, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, uh, they couldn't classify it as art. So the closest they could get was to call it a kitchen implement. <laughs> and because, because of that, instead of being taxed at 0%, because it was destined for an exhibition, it was taxed at 40%. So I, I just love that. Wow. Oh. So those, those are my, those are my things. Yeah. Customs? Wait, what's that? Right? Is that customs or? Customs. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. A kitchen implement. <laughs> It kind of is. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I had a what couple. You, I had a couple things. Couple things. Couple things. Oh, security bits. So I had to. Uh, so I thought I had a set of security bits, and somehow they went missing. So I got another set, and then I was like, "Oh, security bits! They're a thing that actually comes in pretty handy." And it's the word security is a little bit laughable here because it's sort of like a regular screwdriver but with like a little bit of extra thing and then right. uh you've probably seen these like in public bathrooms or something there are screws that look a little funny and you oh look, yeah yeah like a little mysterious stars. exactly yeah. yeah yep and uh so security bits are super cheap you can get them online or wherever um they're quite handy to have a small set is typically plenty i think i mostly see the what they call a security torx bit which is like it looks like a little asterisk but then it has like a little peg in the middle um, so a regular Torx screwdriver wouldn't work. You have to have this sort of extra one that has a hole in it. Um, anyway, they're, they're quite handy. And if you are into taking apart things that the designer hoped you wouldn't, <laughs> um, the secure, a set of security bits can come in really handy. Uh, I had another thing and then I forgot what it was, but I have another thing, um, which is this website called, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, even though I've tried to pronounce it correctly. Moku Yubi, Moku. Mokuyobi Threads. Uh, they're like a clothing and accessories company in Pasadena, which is really close to here, run by a uh, ex-Chicagoan named Julie Penzer. Um, 
her designs are like this super wacky and colorful style that is totally amazing and vibrant and like kind of explodes off of people. I've seen people in LA wearing it and it's really great. And um, I sort of imagine that my doppelganger wears only clothes made by this person because I wear only black, gray and silver. (laughs) Um, And so like I had this fantasy that I live this other life that wears these very exciting clothing all the time. Um, Rob, that, that can be you tomorrow, dude. (laughs) <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it's be true. the fantasy. It's true. Be the fantasy. It's true. I'm going to have to incorporate that into my my stand-up comedy somehow. Oh, what was it? A Don't Dream It, Be It, I believe, from uh, a oh, no. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh. You can do it. Yeah, maybe. Speaking of stand-up comedy. Oh. Stand-up comedy, Megan, what have you done? <laughs> I'm so excited about it. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good one. It's a very great... I was always hoping like people will do like a totally left field one, and I think it only took three episodes, <laughs> and here one is. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's um, also I'm curious who we're going to be able to convince to come in on it too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We'll have to get them to agree first, and then tell them. Totally. Oh, that's. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give Megan's email. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dudes. Well, that was great. Yeah, Megan, thank you so much. Your project uh-huh. was amazing. And, thank um, you guys that was great and uh, we'll be posting photos and stuff online so everybody can see what they look like and uh megan if you it, as to close this out do you have you have a, a thing coming up in june if you could maybe just re-say what it is so people can check it out oh yeah so i'm gonna be um i'm gonna be doing um so inca um here in seattle on june 21st i'm gonna be doing something that's also a little indetermined um, Inca's doing a series, has been doing a series for some time called This Might Not Work. Um, and folks like Gary Hill and Joe Malutis, um, you know, sort of do experimental, like, let's, let's try this out. Um, but because, uh, most of my work is already experimental, I'm sort of still struggling to come up with what it is. And maybe I'm going to try stand-up comedy. I don't know. Um, but the name of the events is called Solstice. We might talk about hedges or resistance. And so maybe it'll be just a straightforward like artist presentation and, and maybe I'm going to try some jokes. I'm not sure yet, but that's going to be June 21st here in Seattle at Inca. Awesome. So if you're in Seattle, nice. June 21st, go check it out. Huh? Well, well, Megan, thanks so much. In two weeks, listeners, we'll be back with stand-up comedy. We hope so. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thanks, Megan. Outro music goes here. Eventually. Maybe. In the future. If we have a future, we made it more than one hour past where we were before. I guess that counts for something. Right? Can you hear this? Yep. So you guys clap along with me. (laughs) (laughs) Did we all do it? I think we did. Synced. It's official.